Welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I am Josh Hallman. And as a reminder, Act Two is a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter, of which this podcast is one of the things we do. So thank you for joining us here. Please remember you can subscribe and rate and comment, and that all helps us out, as well as helping you out, because then you don't miss any of our upcoming interviews and topics with various creators and producers and agents and managers and all the things that are coming yeah. down the pipeline. We, ha- we, we, we have our new set of guests coming in. Like I'm we so have a, excited. we hit the reset button. It's exciting. Josh is killing it with his guest retrieval. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, you know, the percent you just, you just have to just keep going. You're so good. You're so bold. All right. <laughs> um, if you'd rather you can DM us, send us your questions, your topic suggestions, tell us, about the one note that gutted your soul. Mm. We'll talk about that. Um, or you can reach out to us at our Instagram and Twitter, all of those things, Act Act 2 Writers. There's something we have to also say is we have these final draft 12s to give away. We have about four or five left. And so we're doing a giveaway. Yeah. All you have to do is share this episode and tag the uh, Act 2 Writers Twitter handle. And that's it. Maybe say a little something like, hey, I want Final Draft 12. (laughs) So we know. Give me my Final Draft 12. (laughs) But that's it. No, we'll know if you share this episode because we'll look on Twitter as long as you, you know, tag the the handle of Act 2. Is that right? Am I saying this? What the fuck? How old are you? (laughs) I don't know what just happened to me. I I just like, something happened. (laughs) You just aged 20 years before my eyes. Jesus. I don't know. You said Uh, it. You said it. They know what to do. Yeah, I said it right. You know what I did today? Speaking of aging 20 years, Mm. this isn't a This Week in Writing, but maybe it is. I don't know. I'm just going to pretend like it is. I went to a place today and I got a IV. (laughs) (laughs) I got a vitamin IV and hydration. And then when I was leaving, and so I just, my body got pounded. Yeah. And then, and I was leaving and they were like, hey, because you just did that, you get a free cryotherapy session. And I was like, oh, what's that? And they're like, you're going to go inside of this cryotherapy chamber for uh-huh. two minutes and 30 seconds. And you're just going to be in there. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> so she, she said, put this robe on. So I put the robe on and I came out and she was uh, holding Bluetooth heads, headphones and she put on Eye of the Tiger. And then- what? Opened the door and said, "Get in!" And I was like, "Okay." And, it's real. And so I jumped inside. I also had um, sandals and mittens on, and I just <laughs> stood inside of this thing. And right, right before I went in, she was like, "It's great for blood circulation, your skin. It's gonna be great for you." And I went inside. She was like, "Mind over matter," and shut the door on me. It was so cold. And then I got out, and I was walking out, and they're like, "You good?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm good." And I I was a little woozy. I was just kind of like, I think I might have done too much. (laughs) Everyone, I think, and I was like, are you sure this is normal? They're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can totally do the the IV and cryo. I haven't written at all today. It it had like the adverse reaction. But that's all to say. You listen to Eye of the Tiger with mittens, sandals, and a robe in a freezing cold chamber? Mm -hmm. And the woman just stood there while I like changed. And I was like... (laughs) is this is this normal she's like oh yeah it happens all the time and i just like 
Okay. Josh, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, that was my day today. That's incredible. Yeah, adventure finds a way. And that was my, my, so I don't know, maybe tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be 20 years younger. You'll finish an entire screenplay in a day. Mm-hmm. It's happening tomorrow. <laughs> so that's my This Week in Writing. Okay. <laughs> I don't have anything to top that. I'm just not even going to try. <laughs> All right. Today our topic is tone etiquette when giving notes to someone. Um, we've done several topics or episodes rather about giving and receiving notes and kind of the headlines of what you should pay attention to if you are the giver or receiver of notes. But this topic of tone etiquette kind of came up for us because we were talking about how tone is everything in giving notes to someone. And I actually think it came up because of the writer's group where I cried. (laughs) Do you think, I feel like that's where we were like, we should talk about tone and how people deliver notes with tone. Yeah. I think that didn't help. Um, And it was, yeah, it, sometimes when when people give notes, I'm not saying I did this because I won't uh, take accountability, but w- when we gave the notes, I remember, and this happens, it happens to everyone. Like when you receive notes, people can sound a little, I don't know what the right word is, but it's a little aggressive. And, you know, and you're like, yeah. hey, Tasha, this act one isn't working. That, yeah. That's not the best uh, example, but. You know, yeah. it can come off the wrong way. So I it, think. Yeah. It could come off as like, what the hell were you thinking? This is wrong. T- totally. Yeah. And you're like, I thought a lot about this actually. And I know it's wrong. That's why I brought it to writer's group. <laughs> you don't have to you don't yeah. have to pour salt on my wound. Um, so we thought we would talk about it. And um, I think maybe start with what kind of do's and don'ts there are around tone and giving notes. And then we're going to go into this like mock trial. This is going to be how great. to give notes. Yeah. Awesome. Mock, mock trial. You sent me seven pages. I sent you seven pages and we're going to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Before we get into the fun stuff though, what are some tone do's and don'ts for you, Joshua? I, I feel like the big thing is to not be judgmental when giving notes. Because a lot of times you can get, you can receive notes. I think you can, everyone has done this where it's kind of like, this is what I would have done. Like that, that's almost mm-hmm. your tone and, mm-hmm. oh, you're doing this the wrong way. You know, this inciting incident should be your opening. This shouldn't be here. Why would, why would you put this yeah. here? What were you thinking? And when you, yeah. when you get judgy in notes, I think that's like, that's where everything just starts falling apart. Yeah. I think overall, that's just like my do and don't is just don't be. Don't be judgmental. Don't be condescending because that can be, even as writers, we can read something and you can be like, it's so obvious that their opening is stupid. Why didn't they think of this? Their opening is dumb. They're a better Mm -hmm. writer than this. And so you kind of take that tone into your notes versus taking a step back for a second, readjusting yourself. It's like, it's like anything with a partner too. If your wife or your husband, like you don't want to be like, you were acting like a fucking moron. You'd be like, okay, well, that's probably not... (laughs) How I, how I would do it, but let's talk about it. <laughs> you want to be respectful of the person rather yeah. than insulting them. And I think that absolutely applies to notes as well, which hopefully in our mock trial example, we'll be on the better side of that. Oh my God. This is so... <laughs> the, 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 the problem with the mock trial for just you and I, at least, is I already know kind of when I know your tones of different <laughs> notes. Yeah. And so... 
You're going to know when I'm being judgmental, even though I'm being yeah, totally, yeah, totally. <laughs> and I'm mean, just, it's, you know, when you get notes, sometimes you can get very defensive and you start justifying, oh, well, I, you know, or you start making excuses why you did certain things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sp specifically sent you something where I wouldn't do that today. So, but I'm going we'll, to do it. We'll anyway. see. We'll yeah, see. We'll see. <laughs> One tone thing for me that's a don't is do not laugh because I've had people, for example, be like, oh my God, like, like why, why would your character go outside when they see the killer? Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's the last thing an intelligent person would do. Oh my God. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. okay, well, first of all, tone it down. Um, I didn't just pull that idea out of my ass and throw it in there without thinking about it. There's a reason I put it in there that way. Like, let's talk about it as if you think I'm an intelligent human being who has put thought behind this. Do not laugh because I didn't fit a logic that I think maybe makes sense to you. And I think, I think again, the, the note giver who does that, who does the laugh is similar to what we were talking about with the don't be judgmental, where they see something, they're like, it's so obvious to me. So mm -hmm. obvious to me that this character would not go outside like this. And what they have to kind of remember is take a step back and realize the writer just created this entire thing from nothing. The entire page was blank. The writer put on words and characters and dialogue. And now we have a story that you can watch in your head and react to. So the fact that they missed one logic point does not nullify all right. the work they've done and make them a moron. It just means they maybe missed a logic point. So let's talk about it as if, hey, like that logic isn't quite working for me. Don't laugh at it or or call attention to it in this kind of ridiculous manner. Um, yeah. And I've definitely had people do that to me and it doesn't feel great. Yeah, no, I've had that happen often because I think, especially when you're writing action and mm. action thrillers and things to that nature, you know, sometimes you, you do things like I'll have characters jump out of windows. Yeah. And, and I remember actually Dave one time was like, so, you know, I've noticed there's a lot of scenes of people jumping out of windows <laughs> and, <laughs> and he said it so politely. But I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I didn't know how else for them to get out of this scenario. But it's things like that where yeah. he, get, he he delivered it. Well, it's Dave. He could have said it anyway, but uh, he still was very nice about it. And yeah, been like, dude, what are you doing? But yeah, especially when you write action stuff, I feel like a lot of times you get caught in the logic hole and people can be really rude delivering certain notes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially maybe when they think you guys are chummy. That can mm -hmm. sometimes like... We are all really good friends in writer's group, but it still hurts really bad when you guys give me notes yeah. that are judgmental or condescending in any way. It still hurts. Yeah. Another don't, if I may. Uh, this applies for me in fantasy, actually. And I think I've uh -huh. done this to you before, what I'm going to say, yeah. is I'll just say, you know, I don't get it uh -huh. without giving a specific example of what I don't get. Yeah. And... It took me a while because the re honestly, I hadn't really read fantasy until I had read your scripts before yeah. and it just wasn't in my wheelhouse. And so it was really hard for me to always give notes to you because things would be happening and I'd be like, wait, what is, what is a fairy? Right. And like little basic things I should know. I obviously know what a fairy is, but there was just things where, where you would have a logical explanation, but I wouldn't, I still wouldn't connect the dots or I would need you to explain. But my point being is when I would give notes sometimes, admittedly, I'd probably be like, yeah, I don't really understand this scene without any context yeah. behind it. You're just like, okay, that's not helpful at all. Like, what don't you I've get? I've definitely like, gotten notes on that because I do write in fantasy stuff. And even producers who are producers of my fantasy stuff are not 
particularly well versed in fantasy. And so they will, they will do the same thing where they'll just kind of dismiss something out of hand as I don't understand it. And you're like, well, I need to understand what you don't understand about it because this yeah. is actually like a really key trope or it's something that's going to be really cool, but I need it to be accessible to everyone. So like get in there and tell me what you're not getting. So yeah, that's dismissiveness um, is definitely a tone. Don't. Yeah. Another one for me that's a don't is don't act exhausted by the notes because I've <laughs> definitely, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I've definitely gotten notes where like the note giver acts like, oh, this is just such a chore to read Tasha's mm -hmm. thing. And like, why didn't you get your shit together and send me a good script, Tasha? I just can't with you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm I, never giving anyone a script that like I wrote in two hours. I put a lot of thought into everything. <laughs> right. I, this actually goes back to something you said in the previous episode about being in the right mood, in the right state of mind when reading a script. Mm. And I think we've all given notes where we've been in a bad mood or a bad place or something. And it dictates how you give a note. It definitely sure. does. And you have to kind of check yourself. So if you're feeling like something's a chore you obviously agreed to give someone a note. Otherwise you wouldn't be in this position. Like at some point along the line, someone you, you were like, Hey, I'll give you notes. So just, mm -hmm. it's okay to not give notes if you're in, if you're not in the right headspace to do it. I think that's actually a really great idea. If, if you're expecting to give notes in a day and you're just not feeling it, like you're like, can I give you notes tomorrow? This will be yeah. better for both of us. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. Hey, I'm just not, I'm not in the right headspace to give anyone notes. Yeah, that's interesting. That's kind of it. Those are my big do's and don'ts, and I'm sure stuff will come up as we're doing our our mock note session. Um, but those are the big ones that I've come across that um, have hurt my feelings as a writer. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I just want to throw in one more do. Yeah, which I think we've probably talked about, but I think it's always very important to be very supportive of what is working and why something is cool and the potential of why it is cool, and you understand. So I understand why you did this and that's really cool, but what's not working about this is X, Y, and Z because mm -hmm. A, B, C, and D. And that that that's really helpful for me, I think, even though I don't even like to hear compliments in my notes, but I think it, it's, it goes a long way. I'm so glad you brought this one up because absolutely this is a do. And I had a showrunner who really kind of changed the way I give notes to other writers where he even though the scripts would be imperfect, very much imperfect, mm -hmm. he would be like, this is so badass. Like, you're such a fucking genius. And he would talk you up so hard and then yeah. also deliver notes because then you're on this high, you feel like you can do it. And that's a big thing, particularly for showrunners trying to manage their writers is making sure they don't feel defeated. They feel excited. And then if you're yeah. a producer, also just with your friends and writers group, you want them to feel excited about the notes rather than like, oh, I can't do this. I fucked up. And that's part of it. And I, I've brought that into um, how I deliver notes to writers for you know my shows. It's like, here, you are so awesome. Like you killed it in this. Even if like the scene, the set piece is like, it's fine. It's not like yeah. the greatest set piece you've ever, like talk about it like it is because yeah. they get very excited about um, how well they've done and how well they're working for you. So yeah, I think that's a really big thing for tone. Yeah. And I guess just to piggyback off of that. For, so in writer's group, I don't need that so much when it's from you guys. Unless you I'm in hate like it. Every time yeah. I try to tell you this is good, you're like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> unless I'm in a certain space, I'll be like, okay, I'm in a dark place and then you guys will pick up on it and you'll be like, this is working. I'm like, okay, coming out. I see the light. I see the light. <laughs> but, but 
with writers group, it's weirdly different, but I, I feel like what you just said is really important for executives, producers. When, when I get the, the pump up from a producer and that's like, dude, this was fucking cool. I'm like, yes, go on, yeah. go on. <laughs> and then it just feels so much. <laughs> what else? And then it just, it just feels so much better when, yeah. when they come crashing down on you with incredibly difficult changes that have to be made. Yeah. But you're like, Cause in your head, you're like, but they gave me a good note, <laughs> but, but I can do it. They believe in me. But someone believes in me, right? <laughs> yeah. It's important. Yeah. So that, I think that's my last do and don't. All right. So here's what's happening. Oh shit. Here we go. All right. Josh and I both sent each other the opening setup of a script that neither of us have ever seen of each other's. I don't even think I've mentioned this script to you. And we're giving each other notes on it to see how it goes. Yeah. I th- we actually each sent each other seven pages. I sent you right? 19, but I told you I'd only read seven. Yeah. I, st- I, I did. only I read did. seven. Okay, I good. did. I- <laughs> I'm sorry. I probably should have kept reading, but I, I, I honestly stopped at seven. My first note is I wasn't engaged enough to read page seven. <laughs> yeah, you know, it was interesting. But but what we're going to do is we're going to give context, right, about like yes. what we sent each other. And... Yeah. Do you want to go first or should I go first? You mean in the sense you give me notes first? Yeah. Why don't you go first because that will dictate how I will then give you notes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm going to try and give you notes that make you defensive just to see how, how we react. I'm going to be defensive off the bat because I need to explain (laughs) something to you about this. Okay. Well, do you want to first pitch what the movie is or what the setup at least is? Years and years ago, I had an idea, which I believe was around the year 2016, 2017, uh, that territory. And I had, it was actually a dream. I had a dream about this idea. Okay. It was a very vivid dream. But what I sent you it is called or was called Cops and Daughters. Uh-huh. And it was essentially about these two aging cops who are like heroes within their precinct. And like they're hero cops. Everyone loves them. They're gruff. They have like their own way of doing things. But like that way is being aged out. And these two cops, they're, oh, they're partners, they're best friends. And they basically had daughters at the exact same time. Like they're on the same schedule. So they have these two daughters who are now early twenties. And these daughters are best friends and these daughters are going to become cops, but they've been avoiding telling their fathers because they know that this is like their father's territory. Hmm. So basically it's this movie that has these two cops and then they find out their two daughters are coming on up and the two daughters are meant to take their place in the station. In the, is this like right around when your daughter was born? I th- yeah, that's why I was like, "Oh, this is 2015," because I all like all of my ideas were about father daughters. All yeah. of them. I literally had a script called Father Daughter Day, and, yeah. and, uh, and I outlined the idea, and then I just stopped writing it. I I outlined it and I wrote the pages that I sent you. That was the mm-hmm. only pages I've ever written. The outline wasn't even complete. And, mm. uh, and there were, I don't even remember why I stopped, um, writing it, but it was an action comedy and that's, that's the context of it. I had forgotten about it until we were talking about doing this and I was looking yeah. through all my scripts and I was like, cops and daughters. <laughs> it's a perfect, cause it's a perfect set. You sent me right. Just the opening. Yeah. Seven pages. Just set up. Do you want to pitch what the setup is so that when I give notes, it's not totally random. 
Yeah. So essentially the setup um, that I'm uh, definitely forgetting right now is uh, <laughs> you meet the... Uh, <laughs> Wait, I can pitch it because I just Why don't read you tell it. me what the setup is <laughs> if you read it. <laughs> so the setup is kind of a, an opening montage, essentially it's a voiceover from uh, Officer Mercury, who is, it starts when they're a kid, he's a kid and he's like, he's like protecting another boy from a bunch of bullies at school. And that boy is Noah becomes his best friend. And you just kind of see them in this montage over the course of their lives as teenagers, as young adults, deciding to be cops, being awesome cops together, getting wives together, getting kids at the same time, which is great. Um, and then we come back to the present and it's the dad telling these war stories about his life with his partner, Noah at his daughter's and her best friend's birthday party. And like all the, all the friends of the daughters are like super into the story. And the daughters are like, Oh God, here we go again. They keep telling mm. the story. And then kind of aside, the daughters are like, when are we going to tell them that we're joining the Academy and we're going to become the cops? Academy? Yeah. Wow. This movie sounds awesome. It is awesome, Joshua. I need you to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> the way, the way you explained it was what got me excited about it back in the day. Yeah. No, it's super in your wheelhouse. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to go into it. Yeah, go in. Let's hear how you uh, deliver notes, Tasha. All right. I I love the setup. I love the kind of... <laughs> you can't handle it. All right. I love the kind of like fast-paced nature of it. I think it really works. Like the montage stuff is really awesome. I feel like Mercury, Detective Mercury, I guess he's a cop, Officer Mercury is a really... Like his his voice is really... Um, defined he's clearly like this macho man kind of guy there's especially when you the way you pitched it like their way of doing things is kind of moving out of fashion I think that's kind of interesting I didn't necessarily get that from the setup but can see how that could come about over the course of the movie because he he does have that sort of old school macho man um, aspect to him yeah so I think like immediately it sets the tone which I think is great that this is going to be a fun action comedy and I was mm. you know I had a couple laugh out loud moments but I would say that I feel like <laughs> in the opener, um, I'm kind of missing like an extra scene or two of their badassery because it kind of goes from, hey, you want to be cops? Yeah, let's be cops. That'd be so fucking cool to they're already badass cops. Like, is there a training beat sequence that we see? Really tiny, you know, less yeah. than half a page. That's sort of them excelling and being awesome at their training academy. I also was wondering kind of what sort of my biggest overarching note is probably Noah's character, which mm -hmm. is so Mercury has the voiceover for the whole setup and Noah's his partner. And you sort of don't A, get any, I think, real dialogue from Noah. There's a couple, couple moments, but they're almost like dual dialogue moments. Like, hey, yeah. do you know what I did last night? We both had sex. <laughs> you know, like that's, and they both say it at the same time. Um, Jesus. <laughs> That's why the script is. <laughs> that was a great moment. It was a great moment. <laughs> well, so I'm just going to stop you and just yeah. ping, ping on something you're saying is when I looked back in the outline, that Mercury character was one that I was like, oh, I get this guy. Mm. And so it's interesting that you're saying what you're saying. I'm just bringing this up because you're spot on about, I, I think what I'm I'm getting at here is I didn't have a handle on the characters, especially Noah. And I probably started to write this in the sense thinking, you know, I'm going to figure this out as I go. Right. And so I'm just saying that's a very uh, good note 
And I wouldn't tell you this if we weren't on the podcast. I'd keep it to myself, but I'm just saying that so uh, <laughs> you know that you're spot on about it. Okay. Well, then I will move on because you clearly understand the note. Oh, we're doing. Uh, yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just wanted to say, great. You, 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 you found a flaw. I do that all the time, by the way. I'll like, I'll ramble about a note. And if you or Dave or someone else in writer's group is like, yeah, I get what you're saying. I'll be like, okay, cool. And I move on, which yeah. I love when I get notes like that. When someone's yeah. like, okay, she gets it. Rather than being like, when, if I say I hear you, they're like, okay, yeah, but, and then you should really, like, Noah is really not coming through, Josh. Like, yeah, Noah, yeah, yeah. like, here's a, it's like, I get it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, which, we can move which, on. Which happens. Okay. Yeah. Move on. I really like the daughters coming in at the end because it's kind of a surprise. I thought it was really just going to be a movie about them. But that being the case, especially the way you pitch it, that it's going to be about, like, it's it's almost like a two-hander of these two different groups of the daughters and the and the fathers wondering if we can't maybe be in the daughter's POV a little bit more before we get to the moment of like, we're going to be cops and we got to tell our dads. And this is a really, really terrible example. So don't take it. But is there like a version where there you come out of the flashbacks and the, in the voiceover of Mercury telling his old war stories and the daughters when they're at their birthday are like in the house preparing something overhearing outside seeing their mm. father talking and telling their friends and then we get a private moment like an actual scene where the daughters are talking for a bit so we get a bit more of their personality before they then engage with their fathers um yeah. because that tells us that they're a bit more of a main character yeah i i also think what's great about that is in that moment uh that allows to set up what we talked about i think or pr probably what i was talking about a couple weeks ago is like this belief system of your characters where it like kind of allows mm. you to, to set what these daughters feel about their fathers and about the world. And uh, that, yes. that's like a moment for them to be like, I roll. Oh God, dad's talking about this shit again to my yeah. friends again. Yeah, I absolutely. That's exactly what the scene can and should be, I think. And like one thing that came to my head is I wasn't quite sure what that POV was that you wanted to tell us right up, right up front. And I think this is exactly the place to do it. Where like, if, if it is a, a situation where the dad's, are not meant to come off as really good dads. Like they clearly love their daughters and that comes across, but like, are they good dads to them? It's yeah. not really clear. And if that's where you're going, then a version could be like they're inside prepping their own birthday cake for themselves <laughs> while their dads are like outside holding court over their friends, clearly caring more about like telling stories about old times than they do about the present and their daughters right now. And yeah. like that blocking of like what they're doing actively while talking could tell you everything you need to know about the POV there. Yeah. That's also an interesting thing because whether or not this was intentional, I don't know, but it brings up this idea of like these dads only have their careers to hang on to and their daughters are like essentially pushing them out of the one thing that they love aside from their daughters, of course, yeah, is like their life as cops. I love, this ass. is like so, I feel like this is so timely as well. Yeah, it it's does like, feel a little timely. Like moving out of the old school way of doing things and like daughters being, you know, they've lived through the Me Too movement. And like you have to respect people. <laughs> like, like just what does that look like I, <laughs> versus like... Suddenly not sure if I'm the right <laughs> person to write this. <laughs> You got this, you got this. Okay, my yeah. last note, it is about Noah again, but a thought came to me of, yes, I know you need to kind of define him a little bit more, but one thing is like, is there a way to show in these little vignettes that you have 
that he's so different from Mercury. I'm assuming he is. I, I mean, I don't know what you want to do with him. And it sounds like you're not quite sure yet either. But is there a version where you can see Mercury doing one thing and like a bad thought that came to my head, which again, don't use this. It's terrible. But like, say they're at a shooting range and mm. Mercury's just like willy nilly, like trying guns, like, you know, old west wild wild west style and knows yeah. like reading the manual or he's like <laughs> cleaning the gun meticulously putting in bullets like, just yeah. in a very quick visual show that these guys are very different and that's it it was awesome and i hope you keep writing it yeah we'll see maybe i'll maybe i'll revisit it i don't know in my outline it was kind of crazy because the dad start inadvertently sabotaging their daughters oh no <laughs> and i think that's probably where i fell apart where i was like yeah i don't think a dad would ever do this i don't yeah. know what the story is and I, then i probably just stopped i wonder if now that you've had amelia for longer <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah if you would have a different perspective in what the dads would do in this situation yeah yeah We'll see. Maybe Cops and Daughters is going to be resurrected because of this podcast. And, and I love it. Talking about it. I, the voice of Mercury is so clear and so fun that I want to see a movie with him in it. Yeah. Mercury. Mercury. <laughs> Detective Mercury. Detective Mercury. So now we move on. Yeah. To you, Tasha. Okay. I feel like sick to my stomach a little bit. <laughs> Okay, wait. I, I, <laughs> can I just give context for this script? <laughs> Please. It's called Pan. Yeah. And it's from t like 12 years ago. There's some markers that I know it's from 12 years ago. But, well, here, I, I won't go into some notes, but. Um, yeah. So, okay. So, this 12 years ago, this yeah, give was. Give some context, everything. Lay I it mean, out. This was, this was a long time ago. This was before I started writing professionally, very before, and also came from an idea I had started in high school. So, it was just like a fantasy thing that I loved that was sort of just fan fiction for myself, of not anything in particular, just fantasy in general. So, the fantasy is like kind of crazy out there and very heavily fantasy, mm -hmm. which is um, great, but I didn't know how to write heavy fantasy and make it accessible yeah 12 years ago um but the basic story is there's this orphan girl who's found on the side of the road and it looks like she is exhausted she's been running for a long time she's bloodied and then this woman finds her and the girl speaks no english and has no idea where she's from and so this woman takes her in takes her to the orphanage raises her and sees that this girl is very special like she's very empathetic she's um, very smart she picks things up way quicker than other kids but again she doesn't remember who she is and then the m movie the pages that you got start with that woman who found this little girl dies and so she's going back to the orphanage for her funeral and is kind of re now remembering herself as a little kid and trying to get back in touch with what had happened to her back then yeah no, it was great. Why is it called Pan? Uh, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> I don't oh, remember. really? <laughs> yeah. In my head, I, when I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be a different take into Peter Pan. There is a Neverland aspect to it where she is taken back to fantasy world where she's from. Okay. Okay. Oh, man. When I reread it to you, I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. No, no, it's no. A... It, it's not bad. It's actually, it's what, what's really interesting about is that I, now that I know you, I, I see the 
like I see Tasha in the pages. It's just not as polished as current Tasha. And that note that you gave about yourself, about kind of like the melding of, did you say how to like make fantasy contemporary? What was, what was accessible. accessible? Yeah. You're really great at that now like that. And I, and I, I'm not saying this doesn't have that, but I definitely can see kind of like the progression, which is nuts. Yeah. See, I know your tells too, and I know it's absolutely not accessible <laughs> from the way that you said that. <laughs> no, no, no. It's it's great. It's great. It's great. And, the, and then the last thing I'm going to say is the, the 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 main reason I knew this was from over ten years ago is on the title page it had your address, your phone number, and your email address <laughs> and your home address. I was like, My wow. phone address. Remember? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. because in final draft, they tell you to put it there. So I was like, I guess I need to put this here. Yeah, everyone just puts their addresses down. Also, back in the day, did it have, did it have by any chance, like, a, um, because you can register your scripts with the WGA, whether yeah. you're in the WGA or not. And I used to do that and put the, like, registration number, um, yeah. which, you know, our recommendation is you don't need to do that anymore. Yeah, I used to register my scripts. Now I'm just like, I forgot that even exists. Yeah. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Hit me. Hit me with all you got. Okay. I'm just looking Maybe at you. Maybe you should be like... mean to me as an example of what it looks like. Yeah, I could do that. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not <laughs> going to do that. You'll you'll sense it. But no, it was actually, I actually was very much into it. I think the main thing is like you started the first seven pages. This is a big, big, broad a uh, big picture note is you've started the first seven pages. Why you look so, stop looking at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> you, the way you started the pages, uh, there are a lot of flashbacks mm-hmm. and it's, you're introducing this girl, Meg. And this is the girl that you were talking about who is coming back to this orphanage and you're flashing back to her getting to the orphanage. And I feel like a lot of the flashbacks don't need to be there. And I feel like you can kind of streamline this entire opening a bit i made a few markers but that probably wouldn't be too helpful on a podcast so i'm going to try to say this uh in a different way like i feel like um you can get into things a lot faster because right now you currently have this slow burn of a girl she wakes up on the on the bus she's going back to this orphanage she's in this place that she doesn't really seem to like and i was just a little unclear about her motivation getting there and i feel like Actually, when you sent me on the the final page on page seven, just for everyone listening, there is a a, a portion where it basically says that Martha, the woman who died, said that Meg was her or someone said that Meg was her favorite person within the orphanage. And Meg was like, what? And then it goes into this voiceover from Martha. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you could almost start the movie at that point or Mm -hmm. just have like one page of her arriving to this place, walking into town, which you already have. She gets there. And it just kind of goes into this funeral. Like I, I felt like there was just one too many flashbacks and it kind of took me out of what was happening with Meg. So do you feel like the flashbacks have any important information at all? Like, should I, should I lift them out entirely or like, did they give you any information? I guess is the question. So that was the next thing. I felt like the flashbacks didn't really give me much information except you, for Josh. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean I get the intent of it, but I while I was reading it, every time you cut away from Meg, I was like just getting to learn who she was. Hmm. And I felt like if you kind of live with her a little bit longer in these first couple pages, you could get a better sense of what Meg is feeling and who she is. Okay. 
I love that you're taking these notes as though you're going to be right. I like, I may, I'm, who knows? <laughs> Maybe. And then this is so funny because I actually approach this as notes and I have like, I think you can find this scene and this scene, you can find <laughs> this scene and this scene, which isn't helpful to you. But then the fantasy element of it is I didn't get that fantasy element that I feel like we would have in a traditional Tasha script. Like if mm. this were a modern day Tasha rewriting, I feel like there would be something to really indicate that we're in like a fantasy land. Mm-hmm. Am I missing something, Tasha? Was there something there that you intended to have? Well, it starts in the real world. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't, but the fantasy aspect should be like, it's weird that she doesn't speak English and she's like a 10 year old or 11 year old child. She should speak English. And not only that, but she's not speaking a language that's spoken in <laughs> on earth that I am aware of, right? Like they they don't understand her at all. And then the fact that she's like, special that she's she sees things she seems to i think this is in the script where she sees things that no one else sees like kind of like a cat will just stare in the corner of a room Mm -hmm. like that's kind of what she would do and then martha this orphanage person just thought oh that makes her unique and interesting and special whereas everyone else thought it made her a freak so it's those little hints that i want to be like there is something going on here we don't quite know what it is yet i gotcha i just felt and this is maybe oh this is a good example of i i feel like i'm giving you this note because it's specific to me, like as a viewer, like what I would probably want to see, which is how we sometimes give notes. But like, I feel like you can hit that idea a little harder. The idea of like someone actually says, hey, this is no language of this earth. Mm. I've never heard anyone speak this before. Because in the script, you just say, she doesn't understand what Martha is saying. And I feel right. like it could indicate that, oh, she could just be from a different country or or whatever. But I feel like you could hit that fantasy element just a little bit more and indicate that we're in some somewhat of a magical world. Okay. I know that doesn't sound like much, but that was my general notes. It was like living with Meg longer so we get okay. a better sense of her and removing the flashbacks until you get to the Martha, I feel, or just less flashbacks, just longer yeah. with Meg. I don't think you need to slow burn as long as you slow burn. Yeah. I feel like you can get into things a lot quicker. Yeah. I think you can set up a better sense of the world and the magic. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> the way you're looking at me. Fuck. I want this to be done. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm excited. You're very positive, so I'm excited to get into it, even though I feel like you probably really hated it. I didn't hate it. The way that you're giving notes is like, yeah, like there's a lot of really great stuff here, and it's just these small fixes that'll make it better. Weirdly, I feel like current Tasha would stick with this girl a little longer. I think so, too. The flashbacks are... I like the flashbacks because they show... My intent was to show, like, danger because it's her, like, running and, like, this little girl running away from something scary, which I thought was interesting. But you're probably right. That's maybe not the best way to show that idea. And and for, like, the way she... And she wakes up on a bus, basically. Right? right, like she—that's how the script starts with her. Is we we introduce her where she's being awakened, and someone's like, "Hey, you're in your town, Grady." Like just as a character thing, if she's arriving to a certain area that she hates, mm-hmm. and she has this—I feel like she wouldn't be sleeping. It would be more of like she's wide awake, and there's this nervous energy as she's approaching into town. Yeah, yeah, that that's would, right. That would be my feeling. But well, Josh, twelve-year-old ago, Tasha thought that, uh, you know, it'd be very convenient if I allowed myself a natural way to show flashback, flashbacks because she's dreaming. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ruling out the flashbacks for the record. I actually, <laughs> it's really interesting because flashbacks, 
like these are awesome. Like they can be really, really engaging. However, there was just, it just, there was a little bit of the character element that I think was taken away and just her living in the present day. Yeah. I think that's right. that, That I was missing. I think current Tasha would try not to lead your, you lead you by the hand as much by giving you flashbacks up front. It'd be, it would be like, why is this girl nervous on a bus? That's our opening image. That's interesting. But it seems like everyone loves her when she gets off the bus. Why is she nervous to be here? And then it's, yeah. it's making the audience ask questions before ever showing them any of the flashback information. Yeah, she's getting she's getting some looks. Maybe she has a little tick. She's itching her leg. What I mean, that's a, that's a bad example. But like there there's things I think you could do to make it more uh, character based. Yeah. Well, that was that was lovely. Now yeah. I want to rewrite Pan. No, I think it's great. I hope I it connects still have to Neverland. A folder right here of all of everything. It's like huge. It's like ready a physical to go. Folder? Yeah, I know the beginning, middle, and end. What? Yeah. Why don't you write this? Because I always thought it was like too fantasy y, but maybe I can figure it out. Well, current Tasha, now you know it's not too fantasy y. I think you can merge it. I think you now have a grasp on uh, fully merging, like you have such a good handle on writing fantasy for someone like me. <laughs> and I know that as someone who reads your scripts, like I yeah. know that exists. So it's like, oh, I get it. I, you know how, how many times I've told you, I've been like, Tasha, I don't even like fantasy and I like the script. That's when I know that I've done my job. Yeah. You, Cause you're now tipping into the Harry Potter realm where I love Harry Potter Yeah, and it like defies the logic of why like, there's something there that this element. And then uh, you, you now do that with all of your scripts. I love you, Josh. Hey, I love you too. <laughs> Thank you for those notes. <laughs> well, I think that was great because they, like they were so there's look, a version of this could be like, I mean, I don't think these guys would join. They, could, they can't just join the LAPD and just like be cops like that. Like, like you need, you need more connective tissue here. Like yeah. there's a combative way to give that note. And then there's like, yeah. you know, <laughs> you just no, totally. feel like. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's nuts because we're conditioned to give, hopefully positive notes in I just gave someone notes uh recently a friend of mine and he was in a really early stage with his outline like it was something that he was even trying to figure out and he told me that it was like very positive at the end he was like oh that that was great thank you like because he had told me he was getting negative notes and it's so Mm. important to not be combative and understand that someone's not trying to write shit someone actually is trying to write something that they love yeah and it hurts it hurts to get the like if you were to tell me that like after hearing it, hearing what you said, I'm like, oh, maybe I should revisit this. Yeah, exactly. Same. And that's how you want writers to feel after you speak with them. Yeah. And I think people's egos can get in the way or they want to seem like they know more than the writer or they caught you. They caught you in making a mistake and haha, I'm smart because I caught you in making a mistake. And that's just never the right tone. No. For notes. No. Giving. No, that's terrible. And I think in, we talked about this today in a future episode, we're going to talk about like threading the needle between plausible and implausible. Tone and notes is almost more important than the rules, I think. And I know that I can screw up sometimes, especially if I get a script that is just so bad. Yeah. So it's very hard to not be like, this is a piece of shit and you need to redo everything. And you just really have to flip a switch in yourself and if you can't find anything good to say, 
find it anyway. <laughs> like I've definitely lied about yeah. what I liked about someone's script just so I could find a way to give them a compliment and yeah. then get into the notes. It's just so freaking important because just even doing this fake mock trial, you mm -hmm. and I are both jazzed to go write this new thing. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> I mean, we're just so fortunate because we have a really strong writers group and uh, a good support system. And I feel like if you can find that, just never let go of it because I submit things to you guys that I I know I wouldn't give to someone else. It's like, it's for you because you know me at this point to know like, if I'm like, this is the first draft, it's shit, but I just need to like make sense of any of this and you guys mm -hmm. will put up with it and you'll do it. So yeah, if you can find a writer's group just that you love, just never let go. And also understand that if you're being talked to in a way that makes you feel shitty, that you don't have to, because that's not the way it should be done. Because I think sometimes we can get trapped in thinking, well, that's just how notes are. You yeah. just feel shitty afterwards. And I don't, that's not true. And no. uh, you don't have to be in that abusive relationship. <laughs> wow. We're such a good writer's group. <laughs> All right. That's it. That's what we got. We got a mock notes session for you. Hopefully you learned something from just sort of like the tone that we gave notes or like the way we worded a certain note and also the reactions. I think it's important what our reactions were as well, which are what they are in our actual writers group, which is like, okay, never once is there like, well, Josh, I'm not taking out the flashbacks. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And like, how do you react, react to that? You're like, okay, well, the, the flashbacks aren't working. It's like, then I think you missed the point. Yeah, totally. You know, like <laughs> there's never, there's nothing like we just, it's like, okay, I hear you. Maybe I'm not going to take Josh's note, but I'm not going to be combative about it. If anything, yeah. if I don't understand why he's feeling this way about the flashbacks, I might ask a follow-up question and be like, why didn't you think that they worked? Cause I right. really like them and that's okay. But, um, combative on either side, I think is never a healthy writer's group situation. No. And I'll, you actually just brought up one last thing that I want to say is that a lot of times people don't take your note and you have, if you're giving someone a note, you can maybe bring it up. You obviously bring it up the first time. Maybe you touch it on it a second time. Like what you mm -hmm. just said. So why, why are you keeping in the flashback? Oh, you like it. Okay. But then you're done. You can't just let it go. If you're, if you're reading someone's script, because clearly that's important to the writer and uh, it's not really your place anymore at this point to try to have them yeah. remove it, in my opinion. I agree. You have to just kind of let it go in, in writer's group. If you are in a situation where you're a producer producing this script, yeah. then I think you maybe need to have more in-depth conversations. Um, but yeah, you, there's there's an aspect of letting go both to the receiving of notes and the giving of notes that is really important. Yeah, writer's group and producers are two totally different things. And with producers, it's more like, all right, give it a shot and then we'll talk about it. And then it's like the in-depth conversation if it doesn't work. Yeah. The, I see you didn't address my note. <laughs> hey, you want to hop on a call real quick? <laughs> Classic. <laughs> All right. That is what we have for you today. So quote of the day. Boom. Part of being a writer is getting yourself quiet enough and out of the way enough that the character can just speak. Callie Corey. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter, Josh Hallman on Instagram. 
And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Mm -hmm.